appreciate what Luke was saying about <clears throat> the manifest, the idea that the presence of God becomes so real in our life individually, personally, that it somehow opens a window for other people to see who God is through us. It becomes apparent. That's one of the things that, uh, are one of the conversations I, I really enjoy, that idea of, look, if you see something really great happen, if Jared does something that's really impressive, if I say something that just illuminates your light, you can be pretty sure that's, that's Jesus at work in you. Like that's, it's not Jared like just showing up. It's like, you want to see how brilliant I am? Like you could ask my wife, you could ask my children, how brilliant is he? Not very. So if it does happen, it's manifest like God is working in that guy. There's no other explanation for that. Like, that's it. That idea of manifest, for the last, I don't know how many months, what we've been talking about is we have to build better men. Like, men have to be better. If men aren't better, then we, do, we have no way of saving the family. If we have no way to save the family, we can't save community. Like, it's all built on that. I read, a, I read something the other day, a guy, who, a, a guy wrote something along the lines of, men are the problem and the solution. That's true. Like, we have to be better. And when God works in our lives, it becomes manifest. It becomes apparent to other people that God must be the real deal. That's exactly what we want to do with this deal. You've also done a fantastic job um, rounding up your people and bringing them in. You're going to crowd us out of here if you keep it up. That's a good deal. That's a really good, that's a good, good problem. So, um, Real quick, and this is just terribly embarrassing for me to do this, but my mom and dad are here today. They have been married for 44, 5 years? 45 years? 46. My mom and dad have been married 46 years. Just wave so people can see. He's a handsome man. Looks kind of like me over there. My beautiful mom. Looks like my sister. That's... Yeah, so good. <laughs> my mom is, stop. I, I love the attention. My dad's like, get on with the sermon. Get on with it. You're going to get grounded. Let me pray, and we'll jump into this. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives and in our hearts and in our families. Lord, we ask that uh, we can be present here this morning. Lord, as we read your word and as we open it up, that it'll speak to us. It'll, uh, it'll take us to, to, to new places, to new heights in our relationship, new insights into who we are and who we are in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to be reading from the Song of Solomon. I'm going to be using the NIV today, if that means anything to you. Typically use the New American Standard, but I'm going to use this one today. If you remember where we left off, what we talked about uh, last week is this woman, her mind, she begins to take her thoughts and she turns them into words. And what that means is that we've learned how to kind of step into a somewhat trusting relationship. And I'm going to share with you what I have on my mind. I'm going to turn it into words and then I'm going to turn these words into actions. We talked about how this lady does such a good job of turning her internal thoughts 
into words. It's one thing to talk about or to think about how wonderful somebody is. You should open up your mouth and say it. Now, here's the deal. Are words the end of it? No. Actions have to follow that, but words are important. That's why I love, I love the, um, the five love languages books. And if you go through, like there's love languages for each and every kind of person. So words of affirmation, like that's, that means something to somebody. Um, deeds or actions for other people, that means a lot. Here's what's really great. I know how to use words of affirmation. And my wife, she knows how to use acts of service. Unfortunately, those are two languages that we don't understand from the other side. She doesn't ever think to herself, I should compliment Jared. He looks like his ego is frail. And I rarely think to myself, I should sweep these floors out of the kindness of my heart. What I think is I should write poetry. And what she thinks is you should probably mow the grass. We got in a really good argument one day, and she said to me, did you not see that the lawn needs weed-eated? No. No, I didn't, I didn't know. How do you not see that? How do you not know rhyming words? What? Like, this is how we are. Like we, don't, like, we just don't see the world the same way. And so one of the big mistakes that we do is like, well, you're obviously wrong. I mean, I'm not, you obviously, like, you're over there thinking about grass, you're not thinking about poetry, like, what is wrong with my wife? She's a dude, is that what's going on? You need to mow more, and I'm like, what is going, she's like, is my husband a woman? Like, what is happening here? Like, I'm right, and she has to be wrong. But then what you realize is you've got to back yourself all the way up and go, like, we're not the same, and that's probably part of the reason we're together. Like, you know what I need in my life? I know this isn't a surprise to you, but stability. That's what I need. I need somebody who has practical things for me to do and puts them on a list and says you should do them. And I look at them and I go, that's a, that's a great idea. Would have never thought of any of those. Would have never thought of any of those. And on the same time, I mean, on the, on the, on the other hand, what she would need is for somebody to come in and say this. It really means a lot to me when you say that you're proud of what I do. But I am. Yeah. But it's important for me to hear that part. Now, here's what's crazy. It's like, well, that's kind of weak to have to say it. And it kind of takes all the spontaneity. If I have to, like, puppeteer your mouth to build my own ego, like, isn't that? No, time out. But isn't that exactly where vulnerability begins? Like, you have to say the things that are on your heart. Because you know what the opposite is, right? The opposite is this, resentment. Withholding. You don't say those things because either you don't believe them, which is bad, or you know I need to hear them and you withhold them. It just creates resentment. How would you know? You can't know. Unless you're told. 
This is why the communication aspect of the relationship is so important. Why we go from thoughts to words to actions. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chamber. Her friends speak up. We rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. And then she speaks again. How right they are to adore you. Dark am I, yet lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem. Dark like the tents of Kedar. Like the tent curtains of Solomon, do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and they made me take care of the vineyard, but my own vineyard I have neglected. Tell me, you whom I love, where do you graze your flock and where do you rest your sheep at midday? Should I be like the veiled women beside the flocks of your friends? Her friends pipe up again. If you do not know, most beautiful of women, follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your goats by the tents of the young shepherd. Solomon sees the Shulamite, is what they call her, this young woman, the Shulamite. He sees her and he's dumbfounded by her beauty. And then he says this line, I liken you, my darling, to a mare. It's better in the Hebrew, but it's in the English it's I liken you, my darling, to a mare. Let me show you a picture of what he's talking about. There's a picture up there. Uh, maybe not? Okay. I think I already drug it into the... Here we go. Notice the ornaments. Now, you realize Solomon knew a little thing about horses. He had 12,000 chariots, like 12,000. In fact, he had a horse city, the only industry inside of this city, taking care of horses. Solomon knew a little something about horses. He had loads of horsemen, 1,400 horsemen. Let me show you another picture. This is the festive parade garb of these Egyptian horses. He said, I liken you to this. Not an old swayback nag. Not some old long-faced, big-toothed, floppy-eared looking thing. This. I liken you, my darling, to a mare. Young filly. She's pretty. She's done up nice. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. This verse is packed with pictures, and I want to unfold a couple of them for you. I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed 
to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. Here is the beautiful part. It's believed that when the Egyptians would go to war, and a lot of, a lot of other nations had done this before, and they're on horseback, what they would do is all these stallions would be lined up. And then Pharaoh would emerge with his mare. Beautiful, white mare. And would then race his mare in front of these steeds that are about to go to war. Thus, by way of pheromones and visuals, these stallions are going berserk. Now, if you know this about a horse, it's really an incredible war animal because it will do almost anything the rider wants it to do. You want it to run off a cliff, it will run smooth off a cliff. You want it to chase, you want it to run down, you want it to run over, you want it to plow through, it will do it. And now can you imagine if it's amped up on some pheromones because of this mare that's going by? Are you starting to get the picture of what Solomon's saying? I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. Because I can tell you this, the love of a woman, a beautiful woman, can make you a warrior. You will fight. And I mean nasty fight. You could take on anybody. There's another picture. Do you remember when the Israelites, the Hebrews, came out of Egypt? Moses let them out. He takes them through the desert. And they get to the Red Sea, and they're stuck. The people begin to complain. And all of a sudden, from behind them, they hear this thunderous noise. And they look around, and what they see is that Pharaoh changed his mind about letting the people go, and now he's going to come and get them again. And so, trampling through the dust of the desert, this enormous cloud kicked up by horse and rider is now thundering down the hill straight to them as they are trapped with their back against the Red Sea. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? And in the lead of this massive equestrian dust storm that's chasing after them is a lone white mare. Can you imagine how absolutely terrifying that would be. It's beautiful, and it's coming to kill you. Solomon paints for us two pictures here. It's amazing what a woman can do to a man. She can, she can inspire him to fight, but there is nobody more terrifying than her, I promise. Let me be honest. And I know you know this. I talk a big game. And I have, I'm not bragging, I have stood toe-to-toe with some of the toughest people that I have ever met in my life. Physical altercations, some in sports, some not. And I like to think that I'm a tough guy. My wife terrifies me. <laughs> she terrifies me. I mean, there's not one single part of me that's ashamed to say it. Terrifies me. She's got the most perfect blue eyes. I told her the other day, I always wanted to marry somebody with blue eyes. But I'm telling you what, they turn gray. 
like death. Like she can see through me. And there's times when she walks in and she says something to me, I look at her face and I look at her eyes and I think, is today the day? Could it all end today? She could shut this party down. Did I do something? Because the look on her face looks like maybe I might be in trouble and then I do this. You good? Are you good? And when she goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was all over. I can talk a big game. Here's the deal, though. She terrifies me. It is the perfect mix. Love is courage and vulnerability. You know why she's got the capability to crush me? Because I let her in. I let her in. She can snuff it all out immediately. But she can trigger me to go fight too. Oh, she's come home and told me stories. You know who I ran into? You know what they said to me? I will burn the world down. Burn it down. Like, I mean, I'll go places I ain't supposed to go. I'll talk to people I ain't supposed to talk to. I'll bring weapons that I ain't supposed to bring. I mean, I'll, inside my head, I'm going bananas. I would do, I mean, warrior, like the taste of blood in my mouth. And then, and then at the same time, she can look at me and she can say, we need to have a talk. It's like, no, this is bad. This is bad. This is exactly what love should do. You see, men are really good at being one-dimensional in either way. Look, you can be 100% vulnerable, and you know what they call that? A welcome mat. You're wide open, and you just get walked on. No, it's great, babe. It's great. It's perfect. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Perfect. And you just walked on. There's other guys who are on the other side. It's all bravado. It's all courage. It's all big talk. And they're not going to let a woman in because they know they could be crushed. And here's the problem. If you don't have the perfect mix, then there's no love in the middle. You can't have love without both. Jesus Christ is the perfect picture of this ferocity and vulnerability. He who stepped from heaven and laid down his life, becoming like one of us, a servant, thus giving his life on the cross. He put his feet into our shoes. That's vulnerability. That's manifest. That's tabernacled with the embodiment this is what we are to do. Men, our responsibility is to be both. You can't just be one. Okay, babe, whatever you want. Because you know where that goes. Resentment on either side. You're going to get tired of saying, okay, let's do it your way. Or she's going to get tired of feeling like she's got to boss you around and raise you like a child. At the same time, all courage, all talk, all bravado, no vulnerability, all security, all buttoned down like Fort Knox. Nobody gets inside to my heart. I'm not allowing anybody in here. She'll only knock on that door for so long before she walks off. She wants in. The king has brought me into his chambers, is what she says here. She allows her thoughts to move into his life. 
he allows her to come into this private place. Listen, I can put on a good talk and a good game for you, but if you go asking my wife, does Jared ever show lots of signs of weakness? She'll say, you don't even know. When he's yelling stuff like, did I wear this last Sunday or not? Like, what are you talking about, you maniac? It's got to be both. It's got to be both. Verse 10, your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with a string of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. Verse 12. She speaks. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My lover is to me a sack of myrrh resting between my breasts. My lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. Apparently, we're on a date. We get to spend some time together. And she says, while we are there, this little sacket of myrrh, it's the perfume that women wore. It rested down on their chest in a string. And if they're out working, it would, it would get hot and it would give off this perfume. But there's another picture there. The best part of me came out when he was around singles, dating couples. Is that true? Does this person bring out the very best in who you are? When you are with them, is there something about your presence and your aroma and who you are as a person that just begins to emit into the air? Because that's what it's supposed to be. You make each other better people. It's not one just tending to the other all the time. One is the victim and one is the caretaker. Listen, that game doesn't last very long. It's one to where we become better around each other. And so she says, when I'm with him, here's what happens. There's something that happens to me. That's really good. My lover, is a, my lover is to me a sacket of myrrh resting between my breasts. Verse 14, my lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. Here's a few pictures I want to paint for you. This idea of this sacket of myrrh, close to her heart. Not only am I better, but he is close to to me, do you ever know, like, the connection between memories and smells? Have you ever walked in somewhere and you're like, whoa, grade school lunchroom. Like, bro, like, we're getting ready to have square pizza or chili with cinnamon rolls. Like, it's on. Like, I don't know what just happened. The old school powder soap, you got to bump the thing. And it looks like Comet. And it comes out... You know, we'd never give it out to kids these days, but it looks like Comet. Like, it doesn't even lather. It's just like more like green sand. And you smell, you're like, I am in the grade school right this second. Every once in a while, my wife and I will go somewhere. And she'll come walking through. We'll be at a mall. 
She'll come walking through, and when she walks up to me, she goes, smell this. It's always like, what? Smell this. What? Instantly. We're in Joplin, Missouri, in the NICU, where Brooklyn is on this ventilator, and we go back there, and it's a moment. Why? Something about that smell that triggers a load of thoughts, and you cannot escape it. Exclamation. You know, the perfume. Mm. The girls at our school used to wear our jerseys on football day. And they'd spray them up with exclamation. And then at game night, we got our jerseys back. We'd be in a locker room and putting them on. All the dudes is going, bro, I don't even know if I can play football today. Coaching you, watching game film. What are you doing, Ella? That girl smelled so good in that $7.99 perfume. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Every once in a while, I'll be somewhere and somebody will have some of that on for some reason because they were stuck in a DeLorean. I don't know. And they walk by and I smell it. And I'm like, man, it just connects on that level. And you have these smells that trigger these memories. And what she says is this, I can't shake you. I can't shake you. It's like these thoughts of you are like a smell. They just occasionally just waft in. And when I, mm, and I have these wonderful thoughts of who you are. This is what it's like. My lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. It's every once in a while while I'm working and it's hot. I catch a smell of that. It's, I have this idea of who you are, this thought of what you said. Or Do you have these in your relationships? These moments where you have these thoughts about one another? You can't sit and wait on those to happen. Those are something that you create inside of you. When you have a thought of her, begin to think of positive things about who she is. Dude, it's too easy to get lazy, lackadaisical, and negative. <laughs> My buddy always says, listen, um, there's, no, there's no like... Uh, uh, like help guide, I won't say it as smooth as he does, but there's no like how-to guide on how to be a pessimist. Have you noticed? Like it just comes pretty natural. No one needs to teach you that. But here's the deal. If all you can think of with your lady is just negative thoughts or something you don't like about her, listen, that's lazy. It's lazy. Listen, if you're waiting on your heart to inform your brain, you're not going to like what you hear brain has got to inform the heart. This is what we are doing and how we are feeling and who she is. You sit around and wait on your feelings. Your actions are never going to show up. But if you start acting, all your feelings are going to show up. 
You don't feel your way into action. That's part of the problem we see today. I just need to feel inspired. Okay. Wouldn't we all love to wake up in the morning and be like, I'm so inspired. It's like, no, that doesn't work that way. What you do is you wake up and you start moving yourself until you begin to get inspired. Let me tell you a good place to start. I am thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for the little five acres that, we, that we're perched on. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for this job. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for our friendships. I'm thankful for God's word. Not just like in a cliche way, but I'm thankful for it because it just, like it seems to know how to interpret me better. I'm thankful for some of the conversations that I've had with you, some of the long nights hashing out hard stuff and the nights that you're out together so late and you're so exhausted and it hurts so bad the next morning but all you can do is smile and be like dude it was worth it like i'm gonna have to catch a nap at some point today because right now i'm kicking on like three four hours of sleep i'm gonna need a nap later but yesterday was so worth it the work of being thankful is not lazy work that's diligent work. Man, if you want to admire her more, then admire her more. Like, not the feeling. Acknowledge who she is and admire her more. Ladies, if you just want to keep complaining about everything that's wrong with them, then just keep complaining about everything that's wrong with them. That's what you will feel. But as soon as you pump the brakes and you go, this is my new goal. I'm going to find something else about her that I like. Surely there's something else about her that I like. And once that becomes a habit, it's really hard to break. I always wanted to marry somebody with blue eyes. Winner. Founder. I like her. See, part of the problem that we have in our relationships a lot of times is we get in that place where we're like, well, of course we love each other. I mean, we have a mortgage. <laughs> we share a bathroom. We must love each other. Okay. Like, I'm not going to take anything away from it. Yeah, that's probably, you probably, you probably do. Let me ask you this. Do you like each other? Does she think you're funny? Do you think he's silly? Can she make you laugh? Can you make her laugh? Does she get your jokes? Does she know what you're thinking? Do you know when he's feeling insecure? Do you know when she's feeling really confident? That's how you like each other. Yeah, you can love each other. Actions. But listen, the more you do with the actions... The loving part, the more you're going to like each other. Part of the problem is we stop serving each other. This is the way Jesus said it. I did not come to be served, but to serve. I'll tell you something that I learned here recently from my 13-year-old. The more you invest in something, the more respect you have for it, and the more you love it, and the more you care for it the more you tend to it. And the more attentive you are to it. But you have to invest. 
me and my youngest, we started working out early in the morning on Mondays and Fridays. And it's not fun. You can ask her. I'll give you just a snapshot. We do a little boxing. Oh, yeah, she gets punched. And I do, too. And we hit the heavy bag. And we hit focus mitts. And we lift. And we do cardio. And then we do the worst part is the ice bath. It's terrible. Here's what I noticed, though. I respect her more now. Because I invested more now. Guys, here's, here's the thing. I told you we were going to talk a little bit about parenting, so we need to just, let me just veer off and I'll come back. Here's what I realized. I thought I was waiting on my 13-year-old to grow up. She was waiting on me to lead. Listen, here's the deal. If you got something in your house that you don't like, you know whose fault it is, right? Yours. If you don't like it, it's in your house. You know what you don't do? You don't stand outside your house and you, can you believe the paint on this house just keeps being this color? Ugh. It's like, time out. Is it your house? Well, it sounds like it's your fault. The paint wasn't just sitting over there being that color. But you don't like it? Change it. 13-year-old was waiting on me to step into her life and lead. She was already at the starting point. I wasn't. I was the lazy one. And when I stepped up, she's like, wow, glad you could make it. You were waiting on me? Yeah, I'm ready when you are. She's a stud. She's a warrior. She works hard. And I'm so much more invested than I was. On such a deeper level, it's true for every relationship you're ever going to be in. It's true for your kids and it's true for your spouse. Do you want to have a deeper relationship? Then invest. If you're waiting on that person to inspire you to love them more, you're weird. You understand that? Like, why don't you just, can you be better so that it would inspire me to love you more? What? No. But that's common, isn't it? Well, you know, if she lost some weight, I'd probably be more inclined to like her more. Tell her. And then you guys set up an appointment with me. I would love to watch. Not because I can help. I just want to hear it go down. <laughs> well, and then I said to her, you know, I was thinking maybe I could be a better husband if you weren't so big. Like, <laughs> sure, I'll hold him. Go ahead. Get him one. That's probably, yeah, yeah, that's, that's perfect. If you were better, you could inspire me to be better. It's like, really? Where's the autonomy at? You see, the two become one. The two become one, meaning you're one and they're one. You're not a half waiting on the other half. You are you. You are you. You bring you to the table. You're responsible for your emotions and for your feelings. They are not. My lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. If you notice, vulnerability gives way to vulnerability. He speaks up and says, this is how I see you, both scary and making me a warrior. Like I would fight for you. You are that picture, that mare that can just rouse these war horses. But you are also that thing 
that if it came charging down the mountain to me, it would crush me. Solomon opens up and gives his vulnerability to this woman. And then she, in turn, gives it back. You are to me a sack of myrrh around my neck, close to my heart that wafts up these thoughts of who you are. And vulnerability gives way to vulnerability. Listen, you can sit inside of your relationship for a long time being untrusting about who your spouse is. Well, they're not going to handle me with, with the gentility that they need to. And you can be on the other side. Well, I'm not going to show my cards until she shows her cards. It's like, well, perfect. It sounds like a, like a spaghetti western, doesn't it? It's like waiting for the freaking noon, uh, the noon bell to go off. Then everybody just shoots, and everybody's gone. Vulnerability gives way to vulnerability. Let me tell you this way. It's a spiritual principle from the book of James. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Notice how it's written. Opposes the proud. You rise up, God does too. You want to tell God a little bit about, about, you want to tell God a little bit about himself? You know what God I was thinking? And then all of a sudden, God's like, go on, keep thinking. I'm about to smash you. You get cocky, and God's like, okay, I'll meet you there. But if you get humble, God meets you there with grace. It's true in all relationships, and you know this is true. Guys, we're really good at this. You ever walk in somewhere, and somebody looks at you, and you do the thing to where you're not looking away? Like, they just catch eyes, and you just, like, look, you're like, because I don't know if you know this, ladies, but guys have a thing they do with their hair. Like, there's a thing. This is just kind of just generally true, okay? So this is how guys greet each other. Guys, like, if a guy walks by you, and he says, how you doing, and he, and he ducks his head like that, that's kind of like the old tip of the cap. How you doing? Like, there's no, there's no, there's no friction in that. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Good, good. Like, that's a humble move. But you know what happens if somebody give you this one? What up? What's up? What's up? What's up? You said all, all of a sudden you got a whole room full of guys. You go into, you go into these bars with these freaking teenagers, these 18, 19, 20. You go to the gym and you catch it on the day that the college students show up. Like if, between the selfies in the mirror and the head nod, what's up? What up? What up? It's just like, bro, you're gonna get a gonna get a kink in your neck if you keep it up. Because this is what that deal is. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. You give one of those. How you doing? Good, though. Good. And that's where God meets us. You give and they give back. You want to bow up? They'll bow up. God will too. Same with your spouse. Turn yours all the way down. Be humble. Show your cards. Watch what happens. Vulnerability gives way to vulnerability. And it may take a few times. We all got baggage. We come from places where we have baggage. We got previous relationships. We got jacked up stuff in our history. We don't want to show our cards. We feel like it's embarrassing, like you got to check your man card, or you're going to get in that place where you're going to share too much, and you're going to get taken advantage of. We all have that. But here's the deal. Give a little. Show a little vulnerability. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's our responsibility. Open up. Be gentle. Here's what else it does. Vulnerability gives way to vulnerability, but vulnerability also gives way to security. My lover is to me a sack of myrrh or a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. There's a beautiful picture right here. 
henna. The root system on henna. It's that stuff you plant. And then if you're not careful with how it's planted, it just keeps going. It's got this massive root system. And it just goes and goes and goes. And what they would do is they would take henna and they would plant it around the sandy soil of their gardens because when it would rain, what would happen is the water would come through and that sandy, loose soil would wash all the garden and all the crops away. And so what you do to keep it in place is you plant henna around the garden. She says, my lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. This is support. He supports who I am and what I'm doing. Is that what you're seeing? Is that what you're producing in your homes? Ladies, this is pretty important, I think, for who you are. Does he stand by and support what you have going on? Does he help build some parameters around it for you to keep that thing precious? That's the goal, man. That's our responsibility. We are there for the support. Vulnerability gives way to vulnerability, but after that, we move to a place of security. Now, she has shared her heart, and you have let her into the chamber. Now, build something for her to keep this thing together that you are now building uh, as a team. Like, this is what you want to do. Now, protect it. Build some borders around it. Here's what else is beautiful. In Getty is this oasis in the middle of the desert. If you look up pictures of it online, it's absolutely incredible. It's just this place in the middle of the desert, and it's beautiful, and it's well-watered, and you can almost hear her say, henna from that place, you know, that oasis. Does he feed you? Does he water you? Does he meet you in that place of oasis? Is that who she is to you, to where she is a drink of water to your soul? She quenches something on the inside. She speaks of this man in terms of oasis and refreshment and life-giving water. This is the picture. Vulnerability gives way to vulnerability. Vulnerability then gives way to security. I trust who he is. And that's the next move that she makes. She then speaks, or he speaks, verse 15. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes are doves. She says, how handsome you are, my lover. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. And then he says, the beams of our house are cedars. Our rafters are firs. You know what I love about this? It's kind of like this. She's like, you know what? You're so handsome. He's like, She's, you know what? You're so beautiful and so pretty. And then she says, um, thank you. You're so handsome. And I think you're so nice. And then he says, I did the drywall. <laughs> well, that's really sweet. Mm -hmm. See them beams? Hold them in myself. Hmm. Oh, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes are doves. Oh, how handsome you are, my lover. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. And he says the beams of our house are cedars, our rafters, our firs. And then she says, I'm the lily, uh, I'm the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys. Do you know what just happened here? The security gave way to rhythm. 
Listen to the rhythm. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Our relationship is growing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to continue to build something for us to raise everything in. And then she says, I'm the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley. Do you remember what she said in verse 5 of chapter 1? Don't stare at me because I am, I am darkened by the sun. And now she says, I'm a flower. What changed? What could have possibly changed with this woman who was so insecure in chapter 1 and then we get to chapter 2 and all of a sudden she steps out and she's like, not only am I this flower, but I'm both flowers. I am the rose of Sharon and I am the lily of the valley. Here's what's so beautiful about it and there's several things in here. You are beautiful like a dove, your eyes like doves. And she says, you're handsome. In this relationship we have, this bed, this, uh, this, this uh, thing that we're building together is green, it's verdant, it's flourishing. Our relationship is growing. And then he says, and I'm going to keep building it, and I'm going to do it with rafters of fir and these cedars. The best of the best material to build whatever it is to secure this relationship. Like, I'm that kind of man. And then she says, I'm the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. Now listen, if you don't know anything about roses of Sharon or lilies of the valley, then you need to know. In the middle of the desert, there's one flower that can continue to grow no matter the heat. Rose of Sharon. I'll tell you something else that's weird. There's one flower, there may be others, but one specifically here, that can be down in the valley, in the cold, cold valley, in the desert, and it can freeze, and this flower will survive. Do you know which one it is? Just take a stab in the dark of what you think it might be. Lily of the valley. He says, I'm going to keep working at this, and she says, I'm not just a pretty face. Like, I'm tougher and battery acid. I'm in it. I'm full of grit. And I'm going to work my tail end off to build this relationship with you. And he said, I will haul the biggest trees from the biggest forest and I will build us a life together. And then she says, I'll build it beside you because I'm not just petals and stems. I'm the real deal. Rhythm. My wife and I have a joke at home. We always say, we say it back and forth. Man, we are a good team when you do everything. She'll do something. She'll knock out a whole day's worth of stuff. And she said, what'd you do today? Like, I wrote four lines. I read, I read a book. I got a, I'm studying. Then there's days that she's doing something else, and she goes away, and I do a whole bunch of stuff. I said, what'd you do today? Well, I did this, I did this. We make a great team when you do everything. There's rhythm in the relationship that we can move back and forth. It doesn't have to be just her way or just my way. She trusts my way. I trust her way. And security gives way to rhythm. This is the like of the love relationship, the rhythm that's established. Why did her perspective of who she is change from chapter 1, verse 5 to chapter 2, verse 1? This is where we'll close. 
because his words became her new mirror. His words became her new mirror. He spent a whole chapter talking her up, taking her out. And his words became her new mirror. When she sees herself, she says, I'm dark, I'm sunburned. Don't stare at me because the sun's been staring at me. I am blistered. I am not precious or fair or pretty. And he said, I've never seen anything prettier. I like everything about who you are. Your eyes are doves. I think you're the best. And by the time we get to chapter 2, she has now got a brand new perspective on who she is and what she looks like based on his words. Somebody will tell her something nice if you don't. Somebody might tell her something nice if you do. But the result might be different. You should tell her. And listen, guys, if you're wise, you'll do it early in the morning. You know why, right? Compliment her early in the morning. When she gets up, her hair's out sideways. That's when you, that's when you start that business right there. Girl, you look good. She says, stop. <laughs> that's a wise man. A wise man starts then. You look good, girl. Is that my T-shirt? Girl, you look good. Stop. Huh? That's where you start. That's where the game comes in. That's when you start saying it. That's when you start building that thing up because you know and she knows and you know she knows and she knows you know. That ain't the best you're going to look today. But she's going to share that with you. And you need to appreciate it and value that. You get that. You should tell her that. His words become her mirror. I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys. I ain't just a pretty face. I can endure the heat, and you can take me to where it's cold, and it ain't going to matter. I'm going to buck up. We're going to get the job done. Me and you are going to do this thing. I'm tough. She says, I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. And he replies like a lily among thorns. You seen them old girls out there? Old prickly wretches? Girl, you got it all. Like a lily among thorns is my darling among the maidens. And she says, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Wouldn't it be awesome? To wake up in the morning and just both of you, some of you are like, don't even wake me up in the morning. Unless you got coffee or a donut or a breakfast. Wouldn't it be awesome to wake up in the morning with that kind of affection toward one another? You don't just naturally get that. That's not a real thing, right? You know this, right? Like nobody's living in that world. I don't care how many Hallmark movies you watch. Ain't no, they got Dean Cain in them. It don't even make no difference. Nobody's living there, right? Like that's not a real thing. Here's what's real. You put in the work and you get out of it what you put into it. And fellas, she'll meet you there. And ladies, I know it's hard to believe, but he will too. He'll do it. 
Verse 4, chapter 2. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. If she were marching in his unit, if she were a part of his squad, part of his platoon, part of his company, if she were one of those kind of people who would be underneath his uh, command in a military and, and they all had the same patches on their uniforms and there was a flag that was flying over letting everybody know who they are, who he's willing to go to war with and for what what he's willing to sacrifice with his ego and how he's willing to be present in her life and in her insecurities. And if there was a flag that would be flying over the top of that group of people, those warriors, the people that he has brought in around him and her, what would be on that flag? And she says, oh, I know. Love. You cannot misconstrue why Jesus Christ came to earth. You cannot misconstrue that. Why would someone dare spread out their arms and lay down their life for a group of people who he knew would not be appreciative? It's because. That's the banner. And you may have questions. And you're going to have fights. And you're going to bicker. And there's going to be miscommunications. And there's going to be refusal of communication. But at the end of the day, you should rest your head knowing the flag over our relationship is love. This is what matters most. And we're working towards this all the time. Next week, we're going to see where this is building. And you know where this is building because you're all human beings. They're crazy about one another. They are affectionate. They're using their words. And now this relationship that is deeply emotional is about to take that step and become a physical relationship. And you got to watch her response and his response to that moment. If you're single, if you're dating, you need to hear this one. This is going to be really, really good. So don't miss and don't skip. This is going to be a good one. This is, this is valuable, valuable, the way they respond to this. Let's pray, and then we'll go home. Thanks for, thanks for hanging in there. God, we love you. We thank you for your word and how it moves us and how it changes us. God, we ask that you will uh, be with us. Lord, that we will be allowed to hear your spirit speak to us concerning our relationship, and we can take the steps we need to build a relationship that you want to honor and you want to bless. But we love you. We thank you for Jesus and his willingness to go to the cross. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Have a good afternoon.